2: He slammed him, and the weapon was a word. Inflation. Inflation. More inflation. Jimmy Carter managed to use it against President Ford four times in their first televised presidential debate. A confused government, he said. A wasteful defense establishment, he said. Controlling inflation. And high inflation. Then later, the worst inflation since the Great Depression. The inflation rate under Kennedy and Johnson was 2%. One-third... Of what it is under this administration. The blows hurt because for President Ford inflation was specifically a targeted problem.
0: I will not take your time today
2: with the discussion of the origins of inflation and its bad effect on the United States. But I do know where we want to be in 1976. That he set out having taken over after Nixon's resignation as a problem he would solve along with Congress. He appeared before Congress with a special speech. He even developed committees and a program. We
0: must whip inflation right now.
2: Public relations program called Whip Inflation Now with PINs. Even vegetables would be part of his strategy, but we'll get into that later. Whip inflation now didn't work in a sustainable way, but because he had attached himself to it, it became a problem, as it would for the person he was debating with. Inflation is the expansion of the money supply and the depreciation of its values. You could also look at it as prices going up, something you're hearing a lot of talk about now. More people have dollars or More forms of dollars, like M2, checks, and economists call it checks and such. More pay is made available to them. The price of things go up. It could also be a supply choking issue. It also could be, you know, excess demand from businesses or international sources competing for the same supply as happened in the middle of Eisenhower's term. Inflation doesn't have the punch, or it hasn't had the punch that it used to it's been a long while we got to pull out the carter and ford clips
0: during the meetings on inflation i listened carefully to many valuable suggestions
2: hard choices are necessary if we want
0: to avoid consequences that are even worse i intend to make those hard choices
2: our constituents want leadership our constituents want action
0: I have already vetoed bills that would undermine our fight against inflation. And the Congress has sustained those
2: vetoes. While Carter used the sword to take the White House from Ford, Reagan picked up that sword and used it against Carter. In their debate in 1980, inflation, that word was used 35 times. Mr. Ellis, I think the idea that has been spawned here, that inflation is somehow a curse upon us like a plague, and no one can do anything about it, is entirely spurious. But Carter was responsible for some of those 35 uses of the word of inflation too, because he used it in his defense. Why, it had been 18% earlier in the year, so 12 is better. Those are the kind of things people would say, and in case we need some perspective on it, it has not been more than 5% since 1990. Carter had Spoken during the 1976 campaign of Ford's economy in terms of a misery index, just adding together unemployment and inflation to come up with a big sounding number. 12.5%, he said it was, during the 1976 election. Reagan used that against Carter. That calculation was now 20%. I believe it means something. On Time Magazine, the cover showed a picture of President Carter. Above him, an orb of calculations, percents, dollar signs, charts. A kind of graphic way of demonstrating this inflation monster. And it had Carter saying, discipline, discipline, discipline. I want to have a frank talk with you, Carter said to the nation. I do not have all the answers. Nobody does. And it's true. Inflation is confusing. It's not the same as just... How many people are jobless? The word inflation, in an economic sense, not talking about balloons, Google tells me, is used very little until 1970. Google measures all the printed uses of a of a word, and then it is used a lot. Once we hit 2000, it isn't talked about as much. The period of 2000 until now, we were talking about inflation about as much as we did in the 1940s. But in 2021, the word is back. It's never left, I should say, my history could beat up your politics discussions. Because for me, it's essential inflation to explain historical politics. What happened in elections? I mean, you know, I've also warned several times that we don't understand inflation. So when it comes back, it's going to be a shock to people. It won't be a shock to those who have a little history with it. Uh, it won't be pleasant, I think, for some. Now, the one place where we've probably seen it over the years is gas price increases, That's where it's been very visible. But generally, costs increases of prices have been pretty, inflation has been pretty low. I mean, there are some years of close to zero around the recession of 2008 and 2009. In 2009, actually, the consumer price index lowered negative 0.4%, four-tenths of a percent, which is deflation. Not a lot of it, but it is deflation. And that was the first time that occurred since 1955. That can be a problem, too. We'll talk about that. CPI Com- Consumer Price Index, as we mentioned, hasn't been above 5%, and we could be reaching that or more in this year. It could be something that's pandemic-related, or it could be something with us for some time. We don't know. And guess what? I mean, When you look through all the economic speeches and policies in the 1970s, the speeches of Carter or Ford... They're talking about what the advice they're getting from experts and things like that. They don't really know either. But it's important in this political historical context to understand this about inflation. There's been no reason to converse about it for 30 years. But you can't understand why Carter didn't get a second term without understanding inflation. You can't understand why Carter got there without understanding inflation. You can't understand why Ronald Reagan became president. But not only that, why his policies were so popular in the beginning. Why people would embrace something like tax cuts or reduction in government programs. Was it just America kind of turning rightward in ideology? How could it be? There were large amounts of people in labor unions at that point. There was large support for government programs still. But if you understand it in the context of inflation, when government spending became bad, and it starts not with Reagan, he finishes it to be sure, it starts with Ted Kennedy, with Jimmy Carter and programs that they initiate. But talking about Kennedy and Carter, everything you need to understand about the 1980 election. Carter makes a choice. He makes it clear in his White House diary. His economic advisors are talking to him about unemployment. Okay, so there's some things we have to do, and he accepts their advice. But his primary target throughout his presidency is inflation, particularly at the tail end, too, when it matters the most for his election, is inflation. We talked earlier in the year About two anti-inflationary measures that people don't even think about anymore, uh, motor regulation and airline deregulation in 1978 and 1980 to reduce costs across the board because everything has a transportation cost and airline pricing was also something that was pretty high up. So, you know, yeah, we haven't talked about rising prices a lot, but it's something that has had political effects and great ones. So it's something to watch. In in this time period, the Carter's president, it becomes a significant mainstream opinion. I don't know if the people in polls agreed. I had Rick Perlstein on, the historian of this period. You know, he really feels like inflation was just something really brought up by bankers that were a little upset because you know what happens with inflation, right? If it's easier to pay back your loans and things like that, I get it. But it's somewhat mainstream, at least in the governing classes. Here's Joe Biden. The United States was in its first economic slump in a generation. People I talked to in Delaware understood their paychecks weren't keeping up with inflation. I thought it was time to start watching the spending side of the government. I told my staff when they recommended a program, they had to tell me how much it would cost. This was a common refrain. It's something generally you hear too, but it was particularly common there ixnay on the new government program eh, because you're going to be competing for oil supplies and you're going to be competing for labor you're going to be driving up prices with everybody else and that hasn't been something discussed much in the entire time i've been doing this podcast at least might be coming back inflation has that bipartisan problem quality i mean you start hearing about it a little in the 50s with eisenhower who warned against it struggled against it and when it was three percent, even during his presidency, was considered a problem. And this little tightening, little excess demand in the later fifties. It really hits in the Nixon administration when we're taking off the gold standard, and there's also a big increase in foreign manufacturing. And Nixon makes a speech celebrating that the inflation rate, the rate, the rate of increase goes down, and he urged all Americans to. Play their part in this crusade. A great goal. That's inflation, too, of all the economic indicators. It's the one that's personal. It's the one that's most often foisted back on the American people. Like, you fix this. I'm just the president. Tell your labor union not to fight so much. Save a little more. Lower prices, Mr. Storekeeper. Lower prices, Mr. Farmer. And and limit buying on credit. Stop telling your government officials to add so many programs. We're all in this together. This is what Nixon says. What you do, each and every one of you, will matter. It's so personal because you're, okay, unemployment might be high, but if you have a job, and you might experience it in your family, when it gets really high, yes, you're going to see it around you. Prices are something. Everyone experiences it. You're going to feel it. But at the same time, when there's high unemployment, you know, I didn't notice, I could be wrong, George W. Bush or Barack Obama saying to the American people, you know, go and get a job, do something useful, or even hire someone. You know, I don't recall hearing that. But when it comes to inflation, at least in the past, presidents seem to point the television camera back at us and say, do something, Mr. American people. There's no symbol more poignant of the personal involvement with inflation than the personal anti-inflation garden. And this is an idea in the 70s. President Ford suggests that we could whip inflation with gardens, where Americans could have their own vegetables, plant them, and eat them at home. So they wouldn't have to go out and compete for groceries and drive up prices. Ford designates a garden task force to plant gardens and to send seeds to American to plant their own uh, tomatoes, their beets, their cucumbers, their zucchini. Uh, Mr. Derek Fell of the National Garden Bureau even planned a model inflation garden in the White House. His group was the PR branch of the seed industry, and it represented the 50 million garden growers in the United States, which they wanted to increase more to help fight inflation. Fell's model White House Garden would, if implemented, save an average family of four $250 in grocery bills per year. That's about $1,200 today. Not only that, it would be delicious. The White House Garden never happened. They never got around to it. They were where it was going to be placed, who would take care of it, would a Ford family member take care of it or others. It wasn't clear. But Congress did appropriate money for seeds and states, particularly Governor Hugh Carey of New York has a big program. Pennsylvania has a large program distributes seeds and and instructions to g- grow your own garden. Inflation gardens were in particular small sized. No corn, thank you very much. It's a space killer and tended to be around basic crops. Um, Mr. Fell picked eighteen vegetable varieties that they would focus on. Turnips, for instance, you know, were a bit too personal a taste and didn't play nationally, it was decided. Not everyone thought the idea was great. White House advisor Richard Krolick admitted it was a little corny. Well, maybe, but who knows? Groceries prices go up more in 2012, 4% in some places and beef, I'm hearing... As much as seven at uh, the time of writing, who knows? You might start hearing this corny idea become mainstream again, and maybe Biden will out be, out, be out there sunning seeds. Now, it's important to remember that inflation, unlike the other economic indicators, say GDP growth or unemployment, where almost everyone's kind of cheering those on, um, inflation's a little more subjective as a mark of the economy. And I believe there's a mystery about it that I'll talk about later. Inflation in extreme, I mean, would appear to be just a general bad, of course. And gas prices are probably, I guess, next to groceries, one of the most visible inflation markers for Americans. And sometimes it happens without general inflation. You know, the cost of computers went down during the 90s, but at different times, you know, there were gas price increases. And they're related to elections and not. um Gas prices were high in 1980, relatively speaking, 1976 versus the four years before, 2008 versus the four years before, 1992 versus the four years before, gas prices are up, and that coincides with the White House changing parties. Though increases in 2004, 1996, and 2012 did not make a change in the White House, and just stabilizing prices didn't help Didn't help the incumbent party in the White House in 1960 or 1968. And uh, even a little drop in the gas price in 2016 didn't change that election or keep Democrats in the White House. So it's an odd indicator. I get the sense that it's not a good thing for prices to increase during an election year. But it's not something that seems to be alone because in those... 76, 80, there there are a lot of other factors too, including general inflation. So just, you know, I'm not one to just tie elections to gas prices. All logic, though, generally, I think, my view, probably your view, the kind of common wisdom is that gas prices are one of the worst. Grocery prices, the price of things, is such a hard-hitting consumer stat that it's got to be important, but we will get to that. I do want to mention something else. Inflation is bad, but so is deflation. Deflation, the lowering of prices, is exactly what happens in the 1890s. We had that series. It's exactly what put William Jennings Bryan on his train trip. Mainly, that cross of gold was about wheat prices for farmers. Where Brian gets into trouble is when he starts campaigning East, and he's essentially telling people we got to increase wheat prices, and for a lot of them, you know, there are parts of states in the Northeast that have farms, but in the cities, particularly New York City, it's like, well, you're going to increase the price of bread in Brooklyn or Manhattan? We don't want to vote for that. Inflation deflation has winners and losers, unlike some of the other stats. It's not just the 1890s either. It's a big problem, deflation, during the Great Depression. This is what FDR is focused on. How can he get prices up, both for farms, that's a big part of the New Deal, but also manufacturing. Uh, They try various things through the NRA before it's ruled unconstitutional to try to essentially get manufacturing to combine to raise prices. The government decides to buy surplus farm products. And to pay farmers, essentially, to have land, but not to grow crops. That's a combat, not against inflation. It's In fact, it's inflationary.
1: Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more— And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Because when you get around to Carter's presidency and we talked about how bad things were, it is more of a mix, by the way, than people think now. It was particularly bad economically, right at the wrong time politically for him, which was the election of 1980 and then his last few months in 1981. Overall, the Carter presidency creates more jobs per year than Reagan, both Bushes, Obama, more than Nixon, more than Ford. There's a 10 million job growth during his term. There are some reasons for that. It's a bit of a recovery from the Nixon recessions and the Ford recession that he benefits from the beginning of his term. He has some programs for job training, worker relocation for youth employment, directly increases some federal jobs. as a program, CETA, that adds 300,000 jobs directly during his presidency. Uh, Much of this job growth, if you look at it, the Carter job growth is going to be 1978, really March to November 1978 is like a job steamroller. If that had continued through his presidency, I think you would have seen a two-term Carter, but it does not. I mean, in 1980, it's almost the exact reverse, April to July 1980, and then very weak job growth going into his election in the last few months. And then the problem is job growth with inflation means the workers feel less rich. Job growth, you know, with high interest rates and credit curbs, including credit curbs imposed by President Carter directly and by Congress, reduce what you could do with that money. So even a person who had a job, you know, in the late 1970s, it's possible that their, the credit power that they had may not have enabled them to do as much with that. So you've got to look at things that way. Kevin Phillips, in his Politics of Rich and Poor, talked about how during the Nixon, Ford, Carter years, people like farmers, oil producers, people with mortgages, people who had a lot of savings and wanted good interest rate return on them, people depending on that income, did pretty well during this time. There were millionaires in Iowa and Idaho at the same time they were earning good money for from farm prices they also could pay off their equipment loans easier with cheaper with easier with richer money same with people who had mortgages inflation is to your advantage if you've got a mortgage with a fixed rate if you tied it to the rates you, you might be in trouble but if you've got a fixed rate The value of what you took out is easier to to pay off after inflation than it was before. And actually, for those in the farm belt, when the 1980s hit and you reduce prices, there's going to be a crash there. And you see coinciding in the middle 80s with the drop in inflation, you start to see farm aid and stories about single family farms that are in collections, you know. Rain on the scarecrow, calling the French auctioner to auction off the land. John, it's just my job. Hope you understand. That's going on at a time that other Americans are celebrating. Hey, we've got lower prices. So another thing to think about in Texas, North Dakota, Colorado, New Mexico, Alaska, these are places that benefit from high oil prices. They did quite well in the 1970s. There's a reason why you have the TV show Dallas comes out. That's where the power brokers are. Your reason why there's so many TV shows about uh, Saudi Arabian oil sheiks and and things like that, because this was the time of high oil prices. And the actions of OPEC, while generally bad for America, were pretty good for Texas. You recently, you have different booms. In 2019, there was again a boom in oil production in Texas, 1.2 billion barrels. In some years in the late 90s, you're talking about less than 50 million barrels. Famous story of the Odessa, Texas barber. So, the barber is able to make $180,000 in a year operating out of a trailer in oil boom towns. These kind of things happen. We talked about the back end oil discovery in North Dakota and everything that goes on there. So, all of this is just to say inflation isn't as easy as some other indicators. Nixon's approach to inflation is something that almost no one would even talk about today. I don't even think the most left-leaning Democrat would do it. Certainly no one on the right, and that's direct wage and price controls. And what's crazy is among the people who are helping to implement it, is Dick Cheney. So he has a job, uh, he's working for Donald Rumsfeld in some of the domestic policy organizations in the Nixon administration. Nixon institutes a 90-day freeze. After he's completely removed the United States from the gold standard and he doesn't want things to get out of control during the election year of 1972, institutes a freeze on wages and prices and then is going to determine the prices for things. But between the pay board and the price commission, they're dithering. Nixon sends in his fixer, and that's former Congressman Donald Rumsfeld, who takes charge of the operation, gathers about a dozen assistants, and from the account of this, they're literally in an office with an IBM Selectric typewriter calculating the prices for and determining the prices for things. Dick Cheney's one of many people involved in this. And the level of detail is like they've got difference between apple and apple sauces, new cabbage and coleslaw, oranges, citrus peel, cut flowers and wreaths, you know, setting prices for all of these things micromanaged from an office in the executive office, in the executive office building. To be clear, um, Dick Cheney goes on to be a conservative congressman in Wyoming and says, uh, you know, I always felt that was one of Nixon's mistakes. 3,000 IRS agents snooping through the economy to check prices. Nonetheless, he's part of it, but nah, he was relatively young bureaucrat at that point, not really setting policy. No one wants to do that. No one wants to do that. You see a little bit of it. When there's gas price increases, you'll see some legislation, even gouging prevent, uh preventing gouging, you know, laws that are preventing gouging have a form of price fixing in them, even if it's at the extreme level. So maybe some price bumpers you might see down the line. We have a current Fed chair, Janet Yellen, that uh, came of age in the 70s and so remembers all of this. It's made it clear we never want to see that type of inflation again. Archie Bunker, you know, famously on TV, eating spaghetti without meat instead of spaghetti with meat. Stories of sacrifice Carter with the sweater telling people to turn the heat down, um, conserve, discipline both of the government and the people.
0: I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for the New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, we will speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Faceoff launches April 9th.
1: We all know how important it is to keep your eye on the money and not just your own. That's Yahoo Finance, wherever you get your podcasts.
2: I think there's a mystery about inflation, and it's that (laughs) there's two ways of thinking about it. Is it more of an elite economic stat that people like Janet Yellen and bankers care about? Because it is something that there's a little bit of conflict of interest, and I don't even mean it in a sinister way. It's just how these people their jobs, how they're oriented. For a banker, inflation means I loan you money. Now the value of that has eroded the, by the time you get paying me back, it's easier for you to pay it back and I didn't really make much on my loan. And so if you have something that hurts the essence of banking, the essence of credit, you're going to do everything to prevent that. And, And that's why you see the Federal Reserve, even during all these years, with low inflation are always talking about. And so that begs the question, is it more of an elite, Beltway, Wall Street, World Economic Commission type economic stat? With only the occasional overlap with American voters in gas prices or prices at the grocery store or something like that? Or is it a real factor in elections. I had Rick Perlstein on, the historian, during the talk about Carter and 1980. His strongly felt that Carter was misguided in trying to reduce inflation and making that his priority. Um, that even a 10% inflation, so what, prices of things went up 10%. That compared to the scorched earth policy that Carter and his Fed chair Volcker is going to engage in to try to increase Interest rates make things harder, make credit harder to get. Businesses are going to slow down. You're going to slow down the economy to try to slow down inflation. That was a horrible trade in his opinion and the opinion of many as well. And I think today, I don't think that there's a president that could sustain that policy. It's going to say, I'm going to spike up unemployment. I, I don't think Republican or Democrat, it would happen. There's too much for all the bickering and partisanness. There's a lot of agreement on some fundamentals like for instance even though they might do it in different ways there's a kind of keynesian consensus on with a little bit on the fringes of not doing it there's a kind of keynesian consensus in both parties either through tax cuts which Keynes would have approved of or direct government stimulus that when the economy goes down it's up to the government to do something that doesn't seem to change with parties And if you follow uh, what Pearlstein had said on our program, and and it's not just him, there's many others that feel this way. Carter's real issue was the unemployment and the economy and also the Ted Kennedy challenge within his own party that he should have politically checked and could have if he wasn't such a hawk on inflation. He's going to end up making deals in the 1980 convention just to get through it, just to get the nomination again that are going to be, you know, in his own view, inflationary huge government spending programs, jobs program. Politically speaking, the question is, is inflation real? And I think, again, I I go back to common wisdom, my own feeling, really. It's like, how could it not be? Grocery prices go up. You're not going to reelect a president, right? Seems simple. Nate Silver looked at this and ranked inflation as 27th as a factor of economics among Many other things, including unemployment and manufacturing output, was like the one that he thought was the highest between 1948 and 2020. 27th is inflation, ranking down there. So, you know, I mean, that's Nate Silver. That was the, he has some detailed charts. And it's uh, one of these kind of watch and see. I'm not sure... That I'm gonna totally buy into that. And I wanna see more evidence, because I also think it's the timing of elections that affects some of this stuff. Like, if you have a really big spike in an election like 1980, inflation had to be, in my opinion, one of the factors that stopped Carter from winning. It was just too high at uh, 12 or 18 to 12% in his election year. Um, but I'm also a person that reads political journals and, and looks at the facts. It's a powerful argument too that there are so many factors that are that are more uh, important, and that if you were to have a situation, perhaps where inflation was high, but we were also matching it with salary increases, unemployment increases, social security increases tied to the rate of inflation, labor unions getting more of what they wanted, unemployment was not high. That. You know, we just kind of move everything up to scale and might be okay, and the political effects would be limited. Hey, look, it's not an economics podcast. All I can do is look at the history, look at the politics where inflation's been present and it's had an effect, and just say, you know, hey, well, it's something to keep watching. If you're so inclined, get yourself some tomato or zucchini seeds and, and plant away. I want to thank you for listening. Website is www.myhistorycanbeatupyourpolitics.com. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash